0: Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. We're just grateful to be here. My dad, every year, had this tradition, and uh, And so I'm kind of stealing it from him a little bit today. Uh, But when I was younger, my parents, they knew about God. Uh, My mom was raised in a Christian household. My grandfather was actually a pastor and planted three churches in his lifetime. But then my mom kind of went away. But they had some faith, right? And so every year before we would open presents, he would read the Christmas story to us. And, uh, you know, when you're five years old and there is a mountain of presents under a tree, you know... How many of you know you don't want to hear from Luke chapter 2, okay? In that moment, you are just going crazy. In fact, several years ago, when my son Zeeland was about two and a half, three we went up for christmas and he's like okay we're gonna read this story and then my two-year-old was already trying to unwrap presents and dad's like stop him i'm like you stop him you know how hard this is and i was like and so he's already like diving in and i thought dad you're gonna have to make this year a very abbreviated story okay like you know it's it's crazy but i've started a nutrition in my household on christmas eve we read the christmas story And so that way, Sunday morning can just be pure chaos, right? And it just, we get to rip right into it. But today, we have a chance as a church family to lean into the Christmas story. And I I think one of the most beautiful things about planting a church and being a part of watching God grow his body is over time, you really do kind of become a family a little bit, don't you? And there's mission, there's purpose, there's these things that we engage. But man, you also kind of get to build this really cool family along the whole story. And you kind of get some neat family traditions that you begin to put into your own church culture and what we do together. And so I thought, you know, that'd be kind of cool to lean into the story today a little bit and to just grow a little bit together. I'm going to talk about a few concepts. I don't want to lose anybody, but I want you to see the beauty of some of this doctrine and some of this teaching today from the Christmas story. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 2. And uh, the last several years when we hit Christmas Eve, we just get to lean into this story a little bit together because there's so much. There's so much theology. There's so much power. There's so much purpose into it. And it really is so simple and so beautiful as well at the same time. And so let's go to Luke chapter two. Let's read. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken in the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, It's very important for the biblical story here to really point out a couple things that Jesus was, you know, the son of Mary and he came from the line of David from Mary's side, but he also came from the line of Joseph's side all the way back to the line of David because the Bible said the Savior would come from the line of David. And so from both sides of his family, he came from the line of David. That's a really powerful point. It said he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him I was expecting a child while they were there the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them in the inn, right? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign you. you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, let me pause real quick. What, what is so amazing to me about the coming of Jesus is Jesus did not come as a conquering hero on a horse. He did not come with a large army from heaven. He did not come in all of his power, but he came in very humble circumstances. He came in very helpless circumstances circumstances. And the heart of God is wrapped into some of this here. God did not come to conquer you. God came to relate to you. He came to be with you. This is an incredible sign of relationship. You know, God could have come with sword and shield, but he came as a helpless, dependent baby so he could understand childhood, so he could understand the awkward teenage years Jesus went through middle school, you know, I mean, he understands what it's like to cry and to get hurt and to bleed and to have friends and be betrayed. God came to be with us, to relate to us. That is a very fundamental shift, I think, that, that we need to understand the heart of God in the, the entire matter of this whole thing. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Several years ago, I had a chance to go to Israel and I actually saw those fields that the shepherds would have been at that evening. One of the most amazing parts of the Christmas story to me is that the shepherds in the area of Bethlehem, their primary job was, was to raise lambs for the sacrifice that would take place at the temple there in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just outside of Jerusalem. And the jobs of the shepherds, they had to make sure when a a lamb was giving birth, they had to be the ones to witness it so they could say, hey, this newborn lamb is qualified for sacrifice. It is a perfect, you know, firstborn male lamb then it would qualify for the sacrifice isn't it amazing that God shows up to the men whose job it is to qualify the sacrifice at the temple and so God shows up to them and says go witness the birth of my sacrifice this firstborn male lamb that is going to redeem everybody it's wild right And so, uh, to me, again, God shows up to these shepherds. He doesn't show up to kings. He doesn't announce it to Caesar. His whole heart is relate and sacrifice. And so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. Let me land with that last little thought. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, and she pondered it, and she kept it there in her heart. To me, I think the greatest thing we can do as believers is to gather up the things of Christmas and carry them in our heart. I'm always amazed when people hear the message in the gospel. Some people, it goes in one ear and goes right out the other, but others begin to ponder and they ask deeper questions and they wrestle with the Christmas story and they just carry the things they've experienced with Christ in their heart and they wonder a little bit. Today, I wanna to talk briefly just for five, 10 minutes here. I'm not gonna take a long time because I wanna end the year with worship and I wanna make some time for that. I wanna talk about this theological concept of the incarnation. Now, before I freak you out and get ready to lose you, we get that word simply from Latin. Incarnate means flesh or meat. What we're talking about in this doctrine, what we're talking about in this concept is the infleshing of God. We're talking about God becoming human, God becoming flesh. And this is important to know because it would be incorrect to say that Jesus was created. We know that Jesus was the word and he was with God and he was God. And so Jesus was never created. He was with God. He was God. He's 100% God, and he is eternal. But there was a moment in real time in history, in space, where God became a man and dwelt among us. And this is so profound and important to our faith because Jesus was not a cyborg. Jesus did not just inhabit a human body. Jesus did not play human. He did not, you know, it wasn't like a human shell and God on the inside. The beauty of this thought is that Jesus is a hundred percent God and he is a hundred percent man. That whatever makes up humankind, that is Jesus. And whatever makes up God, that is Jesus. And he has two natures, but he is one person. The reason this is so theologically profound is because, like Paul says, he is now the perfect mediator because he is God, and he understands where God is coming from, and he understands God's side. He understands the Father's side and his broken heart and his love for people, but his hate for sin and evil, and Jesus is man. He's human. He knows what it feels like to be tempted yet without sinning. He knows what it's like to be let down, to be talked about, to be betrayed, to hurt, to cry. I mean, I think the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He understands what it is to be human. And so he relates to humans because he is human. And he brings humanity and God back together at the cross because he is both. He is our mediator. And the miracle of this mediator is Christmas. It is the beauty of the incarnation. It is the beauty of this story, God taking on humanity. He wasn't created. He wasn't a cyborg. He wasn't a phantom. 100% God, 100% man. Isn't there beauty to that, though? Like I don't want to lose you, but there's, there's great beauty in the idea of the word becoming flesh. Quickly, I want to read from the Nicene Creed, and this is A.D. 325, because the early Christians were wrestling with this concept. I've never read from the Nicene Creed before. Maybe I should more. I don't know. There's some, some beauty in it. Listen to this. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. I love, there's this term from way back in the early church fathers, it's called homoousius. You don't have to know this. I'm not usually this smart in my teachings, by the way. If you're like, oh my God, this guy's busting out the Latin and the Greek, we normally don't do that. But I love this concept, and it says, whatever God is, the substance of God, that is Jesus. This homoousius, that that substance, same substance of same substance, right? Very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered, buried, but the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, and will come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. Amen. What a beautiful thought. Born of the power of the Spirit by the Virgin Mary. I want us to take a few minutes, look at this testimony video. This is just one of the stories coming out of our church from this last year, but take a few minutes and let's watch Stephanie's story.
1: I was very lost, I was very broken. Um, I didn't have the best habits and the best addictions. And um, I kind of just like was, with genuinely no purpose at all, Um, no goals in sight, no future in sight. And in the last, I would say 10 years, I was making very, very bad decisions. Growing up, I had parents that were great, and they provided for me financially, and they I, we never went without, but there was no love, there was no support, and uh, my mom didn't make the best decisions, and I, growing up, unfortunately, also took those traits. I lost my fiance about five years ago, and then I lost my mom two years ago, and I kept on making excuses of why I was doing what I was doing. Um, what about you? <laughs> my grandma passed away, and I think it was really hard for me because i really loved her a lot and then the person i called dad he passed away too and i just think it was hard for me to not have a dad because i see a lot of other kids do. i grew up catholic my mom and i were like born again christians but again i knew about god i knew about Jesus, but I did not have any type of relationship. There was nothing there. Um, and actually when my mom passed away two years ago, um, my daughter and I, we started reading like the children's Bible and we were like doing these inspirational things, uh, like we were doing like daily devotionals and stuff. I was actually not living here. I was living in Texas and I came down. My cousin Michelle was like, hey, why don't you come to church with me? So I did, and it was really great. And then a couple weeks had passed and my cousin Michelle was like, Stephanie, why don't you open up your Bible? And I did. There was one service, Pastor (laughs) Pastor Alyssa was speaking. I wrote in my notes um, while she was speaking, I wrote um, something that she was talking about, which was being thirsty for Jesus and how Jesus fulfills our thirst. And then the next day I was bringing her to school and we read, we have our inspirationals in the morning that we do still read and it's like a verse, And then like it talks about the verse and then we do a prayer and um, in the verse that we were, or in the inspirational that we were reading, it was talking about being thirsty for Jesus and how Jesus satisfies you. And I like lost it. I was like, oh my gosh! And I feel like that was the first time that I can remember like God genuinely spoke to me. And I was, and I know I'm very undeserving of God speaking to me, but it was the most amazing thing I've ever felt. And I remember in that moment I was like, I want this forever. I want to know more. What can I do to get God to speak to me more. And there has been a couple of other times when it's happened and it's just like so in your face, so there. Like you just know, you know? And um, I've made it my number one priority to live a life that is pleasing to God and I want to do all the things that encompasses that, right? And um, it's just awesome. Genuinely, uh, it's the coolest thing in the world, honestly. Well, Willie, really, I was just walking behind her in her steps and when we got here, I really listened. And when I felt like I listened more, I actually started to believe and love it. And I feel like that I really got to know God, except for like just knowing who He is, but not really know- knowing Him. And I grew my relationship from there. You're <laughs> the City CityLift genuinely has helped me in more ways than one. And Pastor Matt and Pastor Alyssa are so welcoming. And it's just like home. It's like family.
0: Yo, come on, y'all. This, this is exactly why Jesus came, right? To go from addiction to relationship, from hurt to relationship. I mean, the beauty of Christmas is we do not have to do life alone again ever. That, that is the beauty of Emmanuel, God with us. That is the beauty of incarnation, God becoming us to know us and understand us as the worship team kind of begins to make their way up. I want to read this from Grant Osborne, theologian Grant Osborne. He says, in conclusion to the New Testament, the incarnation balances the humanity and divinity of Christ. And those two facts must harmonize in any theological system for both are absolutely necessary parts of God's great redemptive plan. The incarnation of Jesus, where he became a perfect human being as God and human flesh, he suffered the divine penalty for sin as an innocent substitute, right, for us. Being both God and a man, Jesus simultaneously reveals God's perfect will for human life and reconciles sinful people to God through his own perfect life and death because of the incarnation those who believe in Christ have peace with God and new life from God amen would you close your eyes for a moment this morning if you're here and you're like pastor I am kind of blown away this morning something is moving in my heart I want to come back to God, or I want this life from God. Would you just lift your hands right now? And we're going to close in a time of prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's all pray together so nobody feels alone. We had about three hands this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive the gift of Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sins. Be my Father. Give me this life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.